Welcome to the It's Going to Be Good podcast sponsored by Accrue. This is a place where Jill and I talk about how we are growing as individuals and how we are building a firm in a way that's healthy and sustainable. There's always more to learn, and we want to share what we have learned and what we're still learning. And today we're going to talk about how to make busy season easier by answering questions in a sustainable way. And I think this is such a timely topic because busy season is around the corner. It's I can see it. I know it's mm-hmm. coming. And right on the horizon. You're just going to get more questions. You're going to get more communication. And figuring out how to make that work and not lose your mind is how you end up not crying in a bathtub at the end of busy season. Our last episode was on uh, empowering yourself and empowering your team to be approachable experts. So this works really well. Come busy season, you're going to have to rely more on other people to be that primary source of information for clients. If you have a firm, if you're an individual, you're going to have to figure out a way to make all of those questions sustainable for yourself. So as we approach busy season, I think this is incredibly timely. We've broken this idea out into a couple different ways because there are individuals who serve clients and there are firms who serve clients clients, you may or may not have a team, but either way, busy season is always more. It will always be more. There will be more questions. There will be more information. There will be more emails, more time, more effort and energy. And it is pretty draining. And so I think thinking ahead and thinking about some of the things that you can do in November or December before it even starts to get yourself to a place where you're ready for it, I think is is hugely impactful. And it's one of the best gifts you can give to your future self. So let's start with yourself. How you make question answering questions functional and sustainable for yourself. Anna, I would love to hear from you on this one because you are such an approachable expert to our team in the technical areas. And it's really hard to broadly distribute answers to questions that are highly technical. So how do you do that? Well, one of the things I think about a lot is if I was working with me, would I enjoy working with me? If I had to ask me this question, would I not want to ask? Would what I'm getting be something helpful or would it be something that's just a bunch of words and then I I still don't know what to do at the end of it and I probably feel dumber at the end. So I think a lot about the recipient of what I'm trying to do and whether or not that's effective, whether or not they would then want to ever ask me a question again, which which sounds like I'm saying, please come ask me more questions during busy season. It's not exactly that, but also I would rather you ask me a question during busy season than not ask, assume something else, and then we have another problem we absolutely could have prevented if you just asked a question. So some of the things that I like to do for myself in particular, probably the number one is blocking time to check messages. So there are set aside times that I will be checking on messages and people don't expect immediate responses from me. I think we've built that into our culture. We've built that into expectations for one another that someone's not going to respond within five seconds of your Slack message coming in. They're going to respond during the time they plan to check messages. And it's so much more effective than stopping what you're doing, checking a message, trying to get back into the flow of what you're doing. And so number one for me is just I know when I've agreed to be available, when I've personally chosen that this is the time I'm going to be answering questions, and I'm not expecting that of myself at other times. I'm not expecting myself to be constantly available. And then I don't feel that burden and that, oh, 
overwhelm because I'm only doing that in a few set times in the day. So I think blocking time for messages might be my number one. And I, I will echo that from the team perspective. I coach our team on how to plan their days and how to plan their workflow quite a lot. And when we're having these conversations, the number one thing that derails someone from executing on the plan that they made is that they got distracted by messages. Messages are the number one thing that will take you out of flow and put you into kind of like chaos firefighting. And that is the opposite of what you have time and space for in busy season. So I don't think this is even exclusive to like leaders in business or, or owners or, or firm managers. This is everyone. Messages are distracting. When you can block time and know when you are and aren't checking messages, it just greatly reduces the stress around responding because you know you've got it on your calendar. You know you have a plan for executing on actually responding, but you don't have to do it now. So you can hit flow. You can get some other things done. And I think that is one of the most important parts of making busy season manageable. Yes. But I think that also means you have to address your compulsion in checking messages constantly. Preach. Because if that is a habit, there's a reason that's a habit. It feels good. It feels like you got something done. It feels productive to check messages. The problem is it's not. And yeah. you're not doing the highest value work if you're checking messages. Even if your role is to support a team, if you're modeling the behavior of being always available, you are inadvertently telling everyone else that's how they should behave and they will all be ineffective at their jobs. So 100%. Don't 100%. do that. But don't also, do that. why are you doing that? You're going to yeah. have to wrestle with that, with why it is that you check messages all day long, with why you have 15 different apps with pop-up notifications on and why that feels good and you feel busy and important, you're going to have to wrestle with that before you could meaningfully make a shift towards planning set times that you check messages. I did. I had to wrestle with that a lot <laughs> and, yeah. and, and build different habits of not doing it, which is really hard. Yeah. Well, and I think especially during busy season, there are levels of work that anyone at the company could do. And messages tend to be that. Like someone could draft a message and they don't have to actually be an expert. But if you're an expert in something, you kind of have to do that expert work. So if you're the only person on your team who can do sales tax returns, or you're the only person on your team that you trust to file 1099 forms, you're going to have a really hard time distributing those responsibilities and keeping balance and not just kind of wanting to flip the table at the end of that. Yes. Well, and checking messages, responding to messages, it's a different kind of work. It's a different mm. brain space to be in. So it's also much kinder to yourself to not keep switching back and forth between different kinds of brain spaces on the fly and then wondering why you're tired at the end of a day when you know I'm going to do this kind of work in this time slot and I'm going to do this other kind of work in this other time slot. It's so much easier to focus on what you're doing. And then when you check messages, you're much more effective because you're not just trying to get it out of the way. You're doing it during the time you plan to do it. And you're probably going to be, I don't know, more in a headspace for it. So connected to that is turning off notifications. I do not yes. have pop-up notifications on for anything on my computer. And I 
I do have Slack on my phone. I will own this. I do not have any notifications turned on. I have it mm-hmm. on my phone. Same. Like if, if it, for some reason I needed to send something, it's much more like I have it there so I could send a message if I needed to. If I was running late to a meeting and not at my computer, like I could send a message, but I don't have it for receiving messages. Like that's mm-hmm. not, it's not there for that. So nothing, I'm probably like the most annoying person to try to communicate with in that respect. Cause I, like, I'm also very slow to respond to text messages and I can tell like other people are much faster. And so I'll hear in a group text, like bing, 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 bing. bing." And I'm like, I will look at that later. I'm not. That's a 10 PM task. (laughs) (laughs) But I would rather just lean into don't ever expect me to be immediately available call if someone's dying yeah and that is yeah. the only time to call and i have literally answered the phone with friends with who died <laughs> you and know my of, you know my rule who died <laughs> one of them responded with our friendship <laughs> <laughs> that is a great joke <laughs> it's it's solid but it's That's the expectation. People who know me know this about me. And so they don't expect me to be different than that. And it's so healthy and helpful for me to not be constantly tied to my phone, to not be constantly distracted where I am. How many times have you seen something pop up during a meeting and gotten distracted and then stop showing up like a person with a person in front of you? Like it's Mm -hmm. just not helpful. So turn Mm -hmm. off notifications. No one is going to die if you do not respond to an email within seconds of receiving it. If you don't respond to a Slack message, like we're not doing heart surgery. It, like we're doing accounting and no one's going to die. So yeah. just, just turn those notifications off. And I think too, to that point, times matter. So like when you're sending messages, I think it's easy to be like, well, I'm doing this thing, especially in busy season. I'm working till 8 p.m. every day. And you know that's, that's how I'm showing up. And that's the expectation you have on yourself. But to your earlier point, how you show up tells your team how they ought to show up. And so if you're working 12-hour days, they will inadvertently assume that they have to at least work more than eight, maybe not 12, but more than eight. And so like, there's some, you know, learned response from people when you, when you interact with them. And so how you interact with people tells them what they can expect from you. So if you are constantly replying to messages within a very short time frame throughout the year, you're setting the expectation that that will continue in busy season. Will it? Is that reasonable? Like, I'm not sure how functional that is. So I I know a lot of firms have like pretty clear expectations around when their clients will be able to hear back from them. But that is, you know, quite a a corner to get backed into come busy season. So resetting that expectation is, is a whole overhaul of your communication system, or it's a reframe for busy season. When we're busy, that four hours turns into 16 or whatever, you know, like I think there's something to be said about just setting some expectations internally with your team or externally with your clients about what they can expect, because how you tend to operate is what people will expect from you come busy season or not. That's what they're used to. So if that's not what you can offer in busy season, then you're going to have to do some expectation resetting. Yes. And I think um, when you're in busy season and you're responding at 8 p.m., that also sends the message that you're available till 8 p.m. always. And Mm -hmm. so- And are you- 
Are, are I, you? I'm not. I would like I'm to not. just. I'm going to come out on the record and say I am not available until 8 p.m. So I know it's controversial. So <laughs> schedule send. Schedule send that message. Like we have tools to make it so that we can do the task of checking messages at, at different times, but not have the receipt of those messages imply that we are always available or that we're available in, in a much broader range of hours than we want to commit to. Because you, if you do choose to work until 8 p.m. during busy season, are you going to do that forever? Are you going to do that all year round? Probably not. So just schedule send that for 8 a.m. the next morning. And then everyone's expecting one another to work during kind of regular business hours. So that's a lot of ideas of, of for you and for yourself. But what about if you if you are either you know leading a team or even just a member of a team? How can you do this with one another so that you you do work well together? You are being cool to one another, but you're also making it easy for one another in answering questions. Well, I think for that i'm not available till 8 p.m. conversation it starts there it's these are this is when i am and am not available that it, it sounds so oversimplified but we do calendar blocking in our firm and one of the things that i tell our team when i'm you know coaching them through any amount of that is that it is just as important for you to know when you aren't working as when you are so whether your firm has flexibility or not whether you're standard 9 to 5 or you're a completely flexible schedule like we are, you just have to set expectations clearly with people of what they can and cannot expect from you when you will and will not be available to them, especially in busy season, because you have more. They have more, you have more, everyone has more. So how do you do more and still show up in a predictable and like, well, a predictable way. I mean, in a way that people know when they will get what they need from you. I think one of the best ways that we do this is through open office hours. It tells your team or your teammates when you'll be available, when you will be free to answer questions, when you'll be free to ask questions. But it also tells you how much time you're giving to answering questions. So it's putting some constraints around when and how and how much time you're investing in that. And I think that live question asking is really helpful, not just for the person asking the question, but for proximal learning for everyone, especially at year end. I think those kinds of open conversations and collaboration meetings that are, you know, optional or mandatory are really helpful for understanding things that you might not have experienced yet, but might. So for example, you know, you may not work on nonprofit clients, but if you're listening to someone talk about what year end looks like, for a nonprofit client versus, you know, a for-profit client, you're going to have a, a very different perspective. And let's say in six months you get distributed a nonprofit client, next year you'll have a lot better idea of what that looks like. How else do we make it easy and scalable to answer questions at a crew? Well, to that point it, about open office hours, I, I think if, if this is not something that you are currently doing and you're a member of a team, and a, especially if you're leading a team, having a couple of Zoom meetings a week or even just one Zoom meeting a week where you're saying, hey, in this hour, I'm just available. Hop on if you need to. If you have questions, I'm going to answer those in real time. Because what then happens is there are some questions you can guide people to bring then. And in this space where you're in this headspace, 
space of I'm here to troubleshoot, I'm here to support, I'm here to answer questions, that's what you're doing. And so people can come and screen share and show you the problem and you can walk through it together and it's been tremendously helpful without all kinds of ad hoc extra meetings. It's one time where I'm agreeing to be available and I'm here to support you. And so then it also feels more comfortable on the asking side of, I don't need to ask mm -hmm. if we can schedule a meeting. I just need to show up at the time you've already said you're available. And so it's yeah. that approachable expert that we just talked about. Like, here's where you can approach me. Here's a time I've set aside to be extra approachable, to make that super easy. Uh, and then hopefully be the expert and actually get you uh, your support that's needed. One added bonus to that that I'll add is, when you've got a time on the calendar where people know they can ask you questions live, you're going to get fewer questions in writing. You will get fewer emails and fewer messages in your internal communication systems. When someone knows that at 3 p.m. on Thursday, they're going to be able to ask you, they're not going to send that message. So you don't have to tackle it before then. You'll tackle it on Thursday at 3 p.m. That is huge. Or if they ask you a question that you know will be easier to go through in real time, you can direct them to bring it to that open office hours. You can say, that sounds like a great question for open office hours. Can we go through that together at that time? And you've responded to their question without having to figure all the thing out because you've got a time set aside when you're doing that. So I Absolutely. just really want to highlight open office hours has been a game changer for us. Another way that we make it easy to get answers to your questions is that we have created a frequently asked questions page that is shared with Can the team imagine? that is constantly <laughs> getting updated. We have a, a lot of times where a question is asked in open office hours that, that there's a team member who's responsible for our FAQ that I'll say, that seems like a good one for the FAQ. And usually the response is, yeah, I'm already on it, which is the best. <laughs> So. <laughs> I love that so much. So it's, it's, and it's a frequently asked questions of the accrue way of doing things. It's not necessarily the right way or, or even necessarily that we're saying it's the best way, although it probably is, but it is <laughs> the accrue way of doing this thing so that we're all consistently doing certain kinds of things. And that's clear to everyone. So I think a, what are the kinds of questions you get asked often? And can you start answering those in advance and sharing that so that everyone knows they have a resource to look at? And then when they come ask you a question, if that answer is there, you can redirect them to that. If that answer isn't there, that might be something you add to it. And you can continue to encourage them to find their own answers before asking like, and, and this is a question that we we have asked of team members. It's something we really give guidance on is what have you done to solve your problem before asking the question? Not that we don't want questions, but we also want we people do. who are equipped. So yes. what have you done first when you had a question to see if you could figure it out on your own? And then what are you bringing to the table to say, hey, I have this question. Here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? is a very different question than I have a question. What do you think? Like it's mm -hmm. you're you're doing some of the legwork to get equipped to ask less questions in the future. So I think an FAQ page and encouraging team members for figuring out how they can solve their own problems and equipping them with how they can solve problems the it, the you way. I yeah. would say the <laughs> However way. you. But you know, <laughs> yeah. your your way. However you do. Yeah. Um, can I ask, Anna, what, what would be a good example of like an FAQ edition that would really help with your end? 
So some of the questions we've answered that'll be especially apt at your end will be things like, when and how should I void an uncashed check? We're now getting to year end. No one ever cashed this. Like, how do I go about voiding it? Also, what if I don't have a statement for something? Is there, how do I deal with that? Are there things that I do or don't reconcile only at your end? I mean, we've got a lot of questions in there. We've got a lot of, you know, very generic kind of regular questions of like, how do I set up my bank feeds? Or like, (laughs) what vendor do I use for this type of expense? But there are some more nuanced things in there that are still common enough that it's helpful to share. So there's quite a bit in there. I think more even than the FAQ at your end, one of the big questions we get is like, what do I, what do I expect? Like as a team member, like, is there extra I have to do at your end and what, especially if you haven't done it before and like, when is everything due at your end? And so creating a calendar for year end, a schedule of what everyone does and when was tremendously helpful last year. We are going to revisit it again this year for everyone on the team knowing what to expect. I think that's, you know, we tend to think of questions as like, how do I do this technical thing? But a ton of questions we get from our team are like, how do I ask for time off? Or like, (laughs) when is everything due by? You know, there's a lot more Mm -hmm. logistical questions that you kind of don't even notice because it's an easy answer. So you just answer it. And then you don't think about the fact that you had to answer something that you probably could have answered. Like that there probably could have just been a resource to answer it. Do you have a lot of those? I've probably touched on some that you answer a lot. That's a good question. I think we've done a really good job of answering questions for newer employees in our onboarding process. That is typically the redundant questions. And we are already like, okay, I've answered this 15 times. How can I make the 16th time the last one I ever do this? So we've we've done quite a lot of work to build all of that kind of in knowledge into our onboarding process for new employees, which I think makes a huge difference. But one of the things I get asked a lot is like, how uh, to let people know if you're not doing a normal schedule in a day. So like I'll, I'll have a team member who's like, oh, I'm taking an extra long lunch. But because we have flexible schedules, I'm like, cool, that sounds fun. <laughs> what are you eating? <laughs> you know, like it's, <laughs> it doesn't actually affect anything and you don't actually have to tell me. So that that's a good example. I think that comes up quite often because it's hard to understand that you don't actually have to tell me or ask me anything. You don't have to get permission. You just do you? That feels <laughs> so a, uncomfortable for most people so because most places don't have flexible schedules. So we're weird. We know. But <laughs> we also have an internal website for our team where we share all kinds of different resources, everything from, you know, things like our, our resource for managing your emotions at work to what holidays we're taking off to like what time codes to clock in and out of. We call it our information station. And it does. So cute. It's adorable. It does answer a lot of those different kinds of questions of, you know, logistical things, things for particular roles. It's where we save a lot of resources like email templates for our account managers or things like the calendar of, you know, not just what holidays, but also, you know, year end and when that's due or or months where we might have adjusted due dates because there's a holiday or because a due date falls on a weekend or something. So 
creating some internal resources where people can go to answer their own questions or can then go, I went here and I looked at this and I still have a question, which is then super helpful feedback for us of like, oh, maybe that wasn't totally clear and we mm -hmm. can add some more clarity to this so that that isn't a question again. So th those kinds of internal resources where you're thinking about how can I ask, how can I answer this question one time and have it continue to be answered because this will not be the last time this question comes up. And I think for year end in particular, you think about the calendar during those first few months of the year, there are so many random Monday holidays that some companies take and some don't. And there's so many odd things that happen in those first few months of the year that like it is kind of important that you answer those questions in advance so that when you're in the middle of a tax return or you're in the middle of closing up someone's books for the year, you're not getting questions about like whether or not you have Columbus Day off or like Indigenous People's Day off, you know, like, or I guess that's in November. President's Day. President's or, Day. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or, or like, do we have Washington and Lincoln? No, we're not a school. Of course we don't, you know, like. <laughs> but the banks do. So pay attention to that if you yes. have to schedule bill payments or payroll or yeah. whatever. So th those kinds of things. Yeah. Totally. And I, I think all of those details, we kind of reaction respond to, like we, we, we kind of deal with them after the fact, like once they've come up. But we all have the calendar for years in advance today. Like we have all the calendars for all of time if we want them. So like we could figure out what days of the week the banks will be closed in January when we're busy. So let's just plan for that. Like I, I like the idea of thinking a few steps ahead for busy season in particular and thinking about how you can make your future self life easier, your team's future self life easier. Like that, that is such a huge unlock for your end. I think the other thing that I'll say that we do really well, I think is the transfer of information about specific clients. So at your end, you know, you're doing all the bookkeeping, you're doing all the accounting, you're doing all of that like reconciliation, but you're also doing an additional review. You're doing some QA that you don't necessarily do throughout the year. And so being able to transfer that kind of in knowledge, that kind of, um, like I've worked with this client for five years, so I know this is how it works, but how does that transfer to the person QAing your end reports? Or how does that transfer to the person who's taking over for you when you go on maternity leave or whatever the case may be? Like, how do you transfer information about clients specifically? And we have just recently overhauled our client doc and it it's is so pretty. phenomenal. It's so organized and clean and tidy and I just love it, but it it is such an easier, it's, it's almost like a cheat sheet for our clients. And I know that sounds like simple, but it, it has a ton of information about like who their tax preparer is, whether we have, you know, their permission to connect with them and make sure that we are answering questions on the client's behalf or not. You know, like that, that information you can't possibly know unless it's being transferred across time and across team members. So how are you doing that? We do that through our client details documents and it's super helpful, but you kind of have to just have a system for that. But it's, re you can't do that in real time in January or February. You just can't do it in real time. That is right. And for our client docs, not only do they have, you know, logistical things like who's their CPA, who's the primary contact here, 
but it, it has nuanced things about this client. So, you know, what's the weird stuff? Like, what's the <laughs> stuff that you're not expecting? What's the special way that we do it just for this client because they have the special thing or whatever? And that's explained there so that what you need to know about this client is in one place. Also, what are we doing for this client? What are the services that we've promised to do? And how often? What platforms do they use? When is their what company do they use for payroll? What's their fiscal year? When is their taxes due? But even more than all of those logistical things, which I love, there's a section for how do I build trust with this client? What is this client's communication like? Are they quick to respond? Are they slow to respond? Do they want technical language? Is it plain English, please? You know, and even just a space for notes of like, what can I do to make working with me easy for this client to make that, you know, feel smooth for them? What are they looking for as an individual? And all of that kind of knowledge just drops away the second it switches to a different person because someone leaves or someone needs to change their workload or, you know, we get a new client in and so something needs to shift around. And so that kind of knowledge getting saved somewhere so it can be passed along reduces so many questions from the last person who did it mm -hmm. because they don't need to tell you how it works to do this thing. It's all right there for you. And then connected to that are how-to videos for the weird stuff. What's the weird mm -hmm. process that we only do for this client? Or how do you record this client's specific payroll? Because it is not only split between different accounts, it's percentage split in different classes. And all. you can get really weird and nuanced with payroll. And so having a video of where you go on the on the random payroll platform to even run the report and then how you how the journal entry template is set up and just walking someone through that thing or how you log into this third party platform to access the info to add this monthly journal entry or whatever the the process is like is the weird stuff not only, you know, documented, but would someone know how to do it? And yes. if, if there's a video to show them how to do it, they're going to know how to do it. It's great. <laughs> well, and, and I would add to that, like all of this is a long game. This yes. is not stuff you can do in the next few months and have everything go smoothly in January. These are things we've been building across many years. And, and really it's taken a while for things like the FAQ to even catch on or to even be built out really robustly, but it takes, it's going to take time to do all of this stuff. And so I think one of the things I would encourage anyone who isn't even thinking in this direction yet, or hasn't taken any steps to move in this direction is just start. Like, I know, I know we say that a lot, like it sounds so easy to just start, but I think you just start putting one foot in front of the other with this. And maybe this year, your FAQ page or your, you know, client details will be really sparse. Like maybe there's not a lot of information there because you only have a few months to prep that. That is okay. But something exists and you know that that thing will grow across time. I think videos is a great example of that. I remember four years ago, almost, we had a goal of creating a, a full repository of resources for our team. How to do the like normal stuff, the day-to-day -day stuff, like how to equipping someone to do everything front to back, equipping someone to understand a client, like having an overview video of every client that we serve and what it looks and feels like to work with them. And then also like all of those videos that you're talking about of all the weird nuanced stuff. 
that is time consuming. That is going to be created across many, many years and months of, and, and many contributors really. And that it can stop you. The like the daunt of it can stop you from moving, but I would just encourage you to step forward because that was how we started. And and you'll get derailed. Like the FAQ got derailed a few times. Oh, it's yeah. flowing now. And we have 25 pages of frequently asked questions that are tightly organized and so clear and so easy to navigate. That is the work of many, many different people at Accrue who contributed to making that awesome. And it's going to be a time-consuming process, but I think the thing to think about now is what could I answer today that I don't have to answer when I'm swamped? And I think these are just some really practical ways to do that. We use Loom for our how-to videos. Um, it's been a great way for us to store that kind of information, and it's such an easy tool to use. They have a free version. It, it's got limitations for sure. You know, like you you only have five minutes of video to record. But like, if you get a paid Loom account, or if you if you just create videos on your recorded laptop or whatever, you just give the tools to your team to be able to do things that yesterday they couldn't. And then if you imagine what that means for you in January, it just starts to be like, well, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah, ma'am. That's right. <laughs> well, and I think to 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 piggyback on your point of just getting started, I would say, you know, we've given a lot of ideas of things. I would start with what are the most frequent types of questions you get. And that might be the area to focus in on. If the most frequent types of questions you get are logistical questions or like, when is everything due in January, then mapping out that calendar for the team might be your most important place to start. If most of your questions are like, how do I do this thing kind of questions and, and they're not hard to answer, you know, maybe that's starting with videos or maybe if you don't really have the time or space or you don't feel as comfortable recording videos, maybe that's starting with open office hours. So you can at least be doing that in real time. So I would say, which Whichever of these feels like either the easiest one to get started or the most likely to solve most of the pain point, I would start there. Don't try to do all of them. Start with like yes. one thing that's going to be really helpful and think about the thing that would make the most impact to you. Because as you start to do these kinds of fire prevention, important, not urgent work, it builds on itself when you feel like there's like a reward for it, when you can sense that it's getting better, when you can see that it's solving problems, you'll be excited to do the next one. If you try to do 15 things and you feel immediately overwhelmed, you're going to abandon all of it and stop listening. And we like you to keep listening. <laughs> so try to do one thing that would be really helpful. That's good advice. Yeah. I tend to try to tackle all of them and then be like, oh, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do all of them. What a failure. I can't do any of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's one more key area I think that, I mean, obviously we are going to get a ton of questions from clients come year yes. end. And how we navigate that makes all the difference in the world. So I think the first thing I will 
always recommend when it comes to client communication is create templates. If you have a template that works across answering the same kind of question or the same exact question, or, you know, that, that gives the same kind of guidance and direction that you tend to give to this kind of client, then you create opportunities for efficiencies in your communication. And it means that you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you're writing a message. It means that you don't have to think as hard about what you're trying to say. And it means that you can shoot that email off fairly quickly with just a few fill in the blanks. And I think templates are huge. I think the best example of a template that is like so universally usable across every member of our team are out of scope requests. If you're asking for something that is clearly not in your services, we're basically going to respond the same way every time. It's not included. Here are the options. We could do this, or you could talk to sales and upgrade your services. Like those are basically the things that we're doing. So if if that first option that you're giving is just fill in the blank, you're really not thinking that much to tell a client about a boundary that you have in terms of scope. So it just makes that boundary setting so much easier and so much faster. And it means that you're getting answers and responses to clients out quicker, which puts their mind at ease, which is the whole thing we're doing for tax season. <laughs> We're trying yeah. to make sure everyone's covered and that they feel like that's the case and getting that information out to them quickly and with very minimal emotional cost to you makes all the difference in January. Well, and connected to that, I think is the idea of sending out what they can expect before January even starts. So one of the things we did a couple of years ago is we created a template for the team to send out of what to expect for year end. And here's what it's we're going to do. Here's what your part's going to be. Here's what our part's going to be. Here's when you can expect things. We're going to confirm you're still working with the same CPA because it would be super awkward for us to send your year-end reports to a CPA that you had fired. And then you have to fire them again because now they think maybe you you want to come back and you're like, no, we broke up and we're still broken up, but that's How super awkward. awkward. That? <laughs> so don't do that. You know? So we say, Hey, you know, it is so-and-so still your CPA. And if so, is it still cool for us to talk to them? I think that's worth confirming annually, you know, a lot mm -hmm. happens in a year. So that kind of, before it even starts, here's what you can expect. Remove so much of the anxiety and the questions that clients ask because they don't know what to expect because we didn't tell them what to expect. And so mm -hmm. I think this, this template in particular for busy season, maybe if you don't do anything else, do this one thing, just tell yes. your clients what to expect during busy season. If your response times will be different during busy season, tell them that just let them know before it's a problem what they can expect from you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, then, and, and I think then you'll before probably need to remind them. Yes. And, and then you can just be like, Hey, I totally get it. It'll be 48 hours. <laughs> it's busy right. season. So it'll be 48, not 24 or whatever, whatever the adjusted expectation is. But I think that setting expectations in advance is so essential, especially to our clients. 
We do this every year. And yes, they go through this every year, but it's also incredibly uncomfortable for them. We do this by choice as a profession. They do it by necessity for compliance. So they're not engaged in understanding the process or retaining how the process looks every year. So every year reminding them doesn't mean that they just don't care or weren't paying attention, it means that they have a different focus than we do. And so it's our job to guide them through this and let them know what they can expect of us. One of my favorite things in that email is if we get everything that we've asked for by this date, we'll have your reports by the end of the third, by January 31st. If we don't, we'll send you draft reports. That is one of my favorite things that we do because it tells every single client, you will get reports January 31st. If you've done your part, we got you covered. Your reports are good to file taxes. If you haven't done your part, that's also okay because we know it's busy. It's busy for you. It's busy for us. New Year's always busy a little bit or you're still in holiday mode or whatever. But regardless of what it is, like if we can just set clear expectations, it, it gives us so much clout with our clients and, and, and it gives them so much trust that we've got things handled when we are clear and guide them towards success. And if they didn't do their part, it makes it innocuous. We don't need to feel any kind of way. I'm going to send you draft reports. Yeah, just get us those, you know, payroll reports when you can. Like, you're, we've done as much as we could. And, and I love that, like, distribution of responsibility. And then we'll move on to the next client that we're working on, the next set of books we're closing, the next tax return we're filing, like, whatever it is, you just get to move on without any of the feels around it. Yes. I think that's the part of it I really love is that we're going to do our part. We're going to let you know what your part is. We don't have any control over whether you do your part. And I don't want to emotionally manipulate you. I don't want to make you feel bad about being busy. I want to let you know what we need, let you know that we're doing our part, let you know how it works. When we send those draft reports, it's like, hey, here are draft reports. This is what we're missing soon as you get us these, we can get you updated reports. Like if we get them by this date, we will give them to you by this date. Just making it clear removes the feelings and making it a template removes the effort. So yes. do that one. <laughs> I love that. I love that. The other thing I think that we do that I don't think is immediately obvious is answering much more nuanced or complex questions with clients with a video and response. So I could definitely write out an explanation of something, but will you read it? Maybe not. If you're busy and I'm busy and I wrote a novel, odds are good you probably won't read it. And if my function of sending that email is for you to understand something and I know you're not going to read it, then what do I do? I think the answer is you make a quick video or you make a quick like even audio recording, which hadn't occurred to me until right now. If you're if you're a little bit uh, more camera shy, like that's also OK. You don't have to have your face up or you don't have to show the books. You can just send a recording explaining something audibly and you don't have to connect synchronously, which means that you can do that at 8 p.m. after you've you know, your team's off for the day. Your clients are not working anymore. You don't want to send that email 
just record yourself and schedule send it for next morning. And that client gets a response. You get to mark that off in your mind. And there's understanding at the end, hopefully, if we did a good job explaining it. But there's going to be greater understanding than if we tried to write it, I think, most of the time when it's complex or nuanced. Well, and when you write a novel and then someone doesn't read it, how are you going to feel about all the time and effort you spent writing an email that was too long, didn't read? Probably I not awesome. <laughs> yes. So, so yeah, if you're, if you're not as comfortable being on camera, you can always share your screen without video or just mm -hmm. do the audio recording. Or if it's a client that you do have regular meetings with, redirecting a complicated question to being a thing you talk about when you've already planned to talk to each other is another great way to ensure their needs are being met, but in a time where we've already plan to connect synchronously that you know what that is a great question can we connect on that during our monthly meeting this month because i have some thoughts and i'd love to get your take on them you can say kind words that still redirect a complicated question to not be a novel you write that they don't read you can do it at a different time yeah. Or an answer that you have to give now. Like, yes. I think that's the other thing is this gives you some space to think about it. Like if you're redirecting to a meeting later in the month, it gives you the time and space you need to prepare to actually have that conversation, which I think is hugely helpful, especially when everyone is busy. Well, and to that end, they we tend to expect that responding to a question is giving the answer. And yes. I would say responding to a question is sending a response. It doesn't yes. necessarily mean that you have the answer. Clients love the idea that you're looking into it because you've both responded and you give a crap enough to actually want to check before just firing off something. So they, if they have a question, I don't, I don't think I have come across a client, although I, I would have to search my memory banks that was ever up. <laughs> Your mind's palace. Uh, yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to, you know, wander through my mind palace to, to find this, but I don't know that we've ever had a client be upset that we responded with, that's a great question. Let me look into it and I'll get back to you this week. But that is a great way to give yourself the space to answer questions at times that work for you and not have other people wonder whether you're going to get back to them or feel disappointed that their needs aren't being met. If you let them know what they can expect from you and when, you will be much less likely to want to flip the table. You will, you will also be much less likely to just be disappointed in yourself. I think a lot mm. of us expect more of ourselves than our clients actually expect from us. And so we tell ourselves a story. If I have to have an answer for them right now, or they're going to like fire at me or be disappointed or mm -hmm. I'll make them upset. And, 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 you know, if <laughs> I've had plenty of times with clients where I'm like, Hey, I can't, I can't get to this right now. Like, can we talk about this next week? And they're like, yeah, like I'm just, like, I'm just sending the question because I'm thinking about it right now. Like, I don't expect an answer like right now. And so it's just, it's been super helpful for me to realize I have very high expectations of myself that not everyone else has of me. But if I let them know what to expect, then our expectations are aligned versus me assuming everyone expects of me what I expect of myself, which they don't. 
Nope. And can you even imagine if your expectations were aligned, how easy and enjoyable it would be to work with people where you expect something of yourself that they also expect of you, and then you just have to meet it. That's the only thing left to do is just meet the expectation you both have and you have clarity on. Like It sounds like a dream. It's a dream world we're living in, yeah. but we can <laughs> create it. This is a dream yeah. world you can create for yourself by just thinking through how you create these sorts of expectations and also, you know, be thinking critically about do you work with clients or potentially with team members, but you'll probably have more choice on it with clients that are aligned in those expectations. Do you work with people who have unreasonable expectations and is it a good fit to work together? And, and that might be the kind of thing, maybe don't make that literal decision in busy season, but I would, yeah. I would definitely suggest looking ahead at busy season, maybe even more so than calendar planning, look at whether there are any clients you should keep serving. Because maybe the kindest thing you could do for you and your team, maybe the Christmas present you could give to yourself is not doing that thing again this year. <laughs> that would be a really good gift. Yeah. Which client would be a gift to not have to do their year end? <laughs> And not because they're a terrible garbage person and you wish nope. them ill, but because your expectations and their expectations are not aligned because your values and their values are not aligned. And it might be kindest to you and kindest to that client for them to find a place where their expectations and their provider's expectations are on the same page. We tell clients at the door, we don't do phone calls. Does that work for you? And we had a client very recently say like, that doesn't work for me. And we're like, that's totally okay. We are probably not the right fit because you want something we won't do. And so you'll just be disappointed and let's just not do that. So yes. it doesn't have to be, yeah, get rid of that garbage client who sucks. Like that's no. not what we're saying. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but maybe that client that like, you know, you know, you're not on the same page. Like, you know, yeah. it's not a good fit. This could be a good Christmas present. This is unrelated to this conversation, but just a side thought. Might be a good yeah. Christmas present. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to recap our key takeaways. I think the first thing that I will just reiterate is I think when you think critically about how you can answer a question the last time and never again, and then after that point, just point people in the right direction, I think it makes such a huge difference for how you are able to set your future self up for success and to set your team up for success and to set your clients up for success. When those expectations are clear, when we're thinking about how we can answer questions in an efficient and effective way, and in a way that still leaves room for humanity and for, you know, the people part of all of this, I think we gain a lot more traction in our working relationships. I think also setting expectations of yourself that you can actually meet is such an important part of how we approach busy season. If we expect ourselves to work you know, 50 hours in a week and we plan 60 hours of work, we're going to be really disappointed in ourselves and really miserable at the end of it. So if you're setting yourself up to fail, just know that like that's not going to feel great and and maybe a different plan might be more effective. If you can set yourself up to be functional and and make it work and give yourself buffer and build in breaks, busy season can look different. It can look however we want. 
You know, that, that is one of the things that I think we often forget because we get so in it that we're constantly thinking about how things have historically gone. But if we can cast vision for the future and where we want to go and what we want it to look like for ourselves, for our team and for our clients, it makes all the difference for actually getting there. I think that intention and that, and that goal setting is, is the first stage of just imagining it could be different. And then lastly, I think letting others know what they can and can't expect from you before you're ready to flip the table. It is too important for your interpersonal relationships with the people that you work with, that you are clear about what they can expect from you and that you meet those expectations or communicate in advance. That's all you have to do for people to trust you. It's pretty simple. <laughs> That's not all you have to do. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll keep tuning in as we share how we are building a firm worth building. It's going to be good. <laughs>